concentration team, and I said constipation. So, yeah. I bought this like wine decanter. Too well, year. Too well. My husband wasn't right because I know all about the system and all about the injustice, and I ain't rapping on. From This American University Life, WCLDC, it's Serial. One story told week by week. I'm Lauren LeVere. I'm here trying to figure out what truly happened to a beloved law school student on a fateful summer night. I've had to interact with gunners, weirdos, slackers, inept faculty, lawless officials, and very unreliable experts. I'm not a detective or an investigator. Hell, I've never even had a podcast before. I'm not even remotely a journalist. I'm just a second-year law student in need of learning evidence and criminal procedure and guilted into not responding into a group message. So each week, we'll be bringing you a breakdown of evidence without bias to ask the question, what did happen that night? Is Susan Farhang, Miss Preteen Fresno 2002, guilty? Even though she's just a girl who's never even run through a stop sign? Or... Is she just another victim of an unjust system? This is Serial. All names in this true crime story can change, except the one time I used it in that really sick intro. Because one day, we're going to have to have jobs that pay us money. The story first came across my desk a few weeks ago when I received a call from one of the friends. Goddamn earth, why she would be able to kill a living thing. She's vegan for crying out loud, doesn't even eat meat and doesn't even buy meat, obviously, and can't even kill bugs, can't kill spiders, hates to, like, hates any of that kind of stuff. And so for someone to go around accusing her of killing her best friend. It's here that she's speaking about Fresno. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I visited her school and I visited her friends. And she is just your all-around engaging, active student leader. She's press secretary for LASA. She is a dean's fellow for her professor. She's a mentor to one else. And all her friends are so great. She has so many friends. So for her to live a double life. I wanted to check for accuracy. And to be fair, most of it was true. She was part of LASA, although not as press secretary. She was the chair of PR. She did work for a professor, but not as a dean's fellow. She was a researcher. And although she was interested in mentoring one else, she hadn't started yet. She's into negotiating. She's not even into adversarial combat. That's how nice and low-key she is. And so after speaking with Miss Chu, it was clear. She adamantly believed in the innocence of her friend. And so I figured it was time to really get down into what happened that night, August 15th. As you pass it off so cavalier But even that's a test Constantly aware of it all My lonely Breast against the walls of your world Pray to catch you whispering And pray to catch me listening On the morning of August 16th, a sweatbox appointment would go missed. That missed appointment would lead to a $25 charge on an account. 
that would go unpaid because Charlotte was missing. Charlotte was a beloved WCL student, a type three on the Enneagram, avid volleyball player, dog lover, wine enthusiast. As no one in their right mind would lose out on a $100 class at Sweatbox, the police pretty quickly assumed foul play. They began to search at every Lululemon, Sweatbox, Juice Bar, Sweet Green, winery in a 25-mile radius. No hope. They had almost all but given up on the case until a 911 call appeared. Warning, this may be difficult to hear. 911, what's your emergency? Reporting a body. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, sir? There's a body. I'm, so, I'm having trouble understanding. Can you speak? I found a, found a body. You found a body? <laughs> uh, sir. Sir, are you okay? Sir. Sir. Is there a smoke. fire, sir? No, there's no fire. It's just a body. Wait. Where's the smoke? It's a smoking hot oh. body. After a 911 call led police to a Taco Bell parking lot, they found an abandoned car that belonged to Charlotte. In the car was a suitcase of buttery leggings. Six of her seven pairs were found. Traces of water were in the car that were believed to be from the Georgetown River. Police would ultimately retrieve the body from there. The federal rules of civil procedure were used to smash in the face, skull, and feet of the body. As soon as they pulled the body out of the river, they received an anonymous tip that led them once again to the Taco Bell. My testimony alone. I watched her. I watched her give it. I was there with her the whole time. I, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't the one to... The individual literally gave absolutely nothing of substance. But the police were able to trace that number to a burner phone also found in the Taco Bell parking lot. All of this pointed them in the direction of Fresno. A judge would eventually sign a warrant stating that there was probable cause to search Fresno's apartment. There, they were able to identify the seventh pair of buttery leggings. They also found an arsenal of grape face mist, a hazardous amount. They had to call the CDC. Upon closer look into the buttery leggings, there was hot sauce trickled all down the side. Police would arrest her immediately, and upon interrogation, Fresno would say nothing to her defense. The police questioned her for hours. They took DNA samples, fingerprints, and fashion tips. Before trial, Fresno would win a Fourth Amendment argument that the warrant was invalid and police committed an unreasonable and unlawful search and seizure of her home and belongings. This victory was short-lived because although she won the claim, the judge refused to exclude any of the evidence found in the unreasonable search and seizure. The judge believed that the police reasonably relied on the warrant that was signed by the magistrate and acted in good faith when they searched her home. In pretrial motion after pretrial motion, Fresno's lawyer would move to suppress key elements of evidence based on their relevancy and based on their prejudicial nature. After winning the motions, what her lawyer was not prepared for was the fact that Fresno would go on to open the door and allow detrimental evidence to play up against her. But before we get there, we have to really understand their relationship. Here's Fresno. How would you describe your relationship? Can you elaborate? What was so great about it? We're like two peas in a pod. Like, in what ways? With some pita chips. It's just more <laughs> comparisons of things that are like. Wait, I'm hungry. <laughs> and it didn't matter who I talked to. Everyone had the same reaction about their relationship. Yeah, so we would 
hang out in groups, and it was usually the group, um, and then they would just go off, and they'd always be together, no matter what. It was very, very interesting. Can you just share with us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, so I would say that it was, their meeting was like a classic meet-cute. Okay. They kind of caught glances with each other from across the room at orientation, yeah. and, you know, there's just so much excitement in the room, and so they just, like, were naturally ready to, you know be the best of friends and slowly that love in the very beginning like blossomed you know and you could just kind of see it grow and it was like this amazing kind of journey that they went together it was like so what could possibly be the motive it just doesn't add up here's the anonymous caller again motive that the prosecution had was face mist, despite all the evidence that showed their deep bond and beautiful friendship, face mist is what convicted Miss. It's literally pure grape water, so you can't think of it as like a fire hydrant for your face. I mean, if you have dryness or irritation, anything at all, like this grape face wash will change your life. thinking objection relevancy 401 how is this related it's not related logically or legally but somehow the prosecution was able to get it in and it didn't help that she was so cavalier about what had just happened to someone she described as her other half what was it like when you found out that she went missing are you asking me no i was concerned oh, okay um, yeah. Full disclosure, she doesn't seem concerned. No, well, I thought she was maybe just like in Charlottesville or having a good time. You guys hadn't been communicating that much. I mean, not like once she disappeared. But like in the weeks prior, you've been communicating a lot. Not really texting. So there's. I, I have no reason. No motive. That song by Drake is it motive or motto? Motto? How do you say that word? <laughs> now listen closely because this is what made it so hard for the jury to believe her. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you would say. In the days and weeks that we spent together, I really struggled. She seemed so, so guilty, but she was also extremely nice. What really happened that night? Where is her alibi? How come she's not saying anything in her own defense? All I know is it's our job to figure it out. Next week on Serial.
you're doing for fun? Well, I'm in jail. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, that's the first KFC bucket I've ever finished. Serial is brought to you by producer Sharon Kimmel, by the inability to get out of bed in the morning, by the need to have five cups of coffee just to get through your 9.30 class, and me, your host, Lauren LeVere. <laughs>